Dwayne Brumman here with Allie Alvarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Good morning, Allie. Good morning, Dwayne. And I may add, too, that it's not just me and you today. It's probably going to, you know, and it's not me and you every single time we talk because my dogs are always here trying to get in on the conversation. I have two little multi-poo puppies. You know, the big seventh-degree black belt ninjutsu dude with the with the two nine-year-old dogs. I, I mean, not nine-year-old, nine-pound nine pound dogs. Um, you know, so they might bark in the background because they just love to get in on the conversation and get my attention. So I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> so, well, you know, they got to get your attention somehow, and uh, they probably know that you give them attention when you're on the phone because you tell them to be quiet. Well, isn't that interesting, you know, and it's funny because this all always leads into conversation for us, and, and it's really interesting, you know, that with that, you know, that old Pavlov's, Pavlov's dog theory where, you know, yeah. they train the dog. The bell the rings, dog. the dog salivates, yeah. Yeah, they get the dog to salivate, they ring the bell, um, and then they, they start to realize later on, sooner or later, like, for instance, my, my dog trainer said, hey, I have a great idea for you. You know, you could even train your dogs to let you know when they want to go out. So I, I, he's telling me, I, I at home hung a bell from my sliding glass door. So I'm like, oh, crazy. That's awesome. I have a bell right here. So I hang it on a shoelace and I hang it and I taught the dog when he wants to go out. My one, the girl dog does it. She clicks the bell. It, it rings and, and I let her out. <laughs> Lo and behold, it was the worst thing I could have ever done because Anytime she wants my attention, she knows the way she's going to get it is by ringing that bell. So the minute I go in my office and sit down to do a coaching call, I hear ding, ding. <laughs> so I have to mute my phone, and then I say, Mocha, lay down, you know, and then she'll go ding, ding, you know, and she just kind of does that the whole entire time until I come there, and I let her out, and then she just stares at me. She doesn't want to be let out. She's realized that she could get my attention by ringing that bell, right? And, and anyway, so how does, that, how does that relate to us? You know, in, in our coaching, it's, it's really about uh, the, the reason why I brought that up was the thoughts of how we train our students or we train our clientele or we create what I call the buy-in to our relationship, to our brand, to our system. And, um, you know, we have to do that within in our business to some extent. I'm not saying, you know, we're using NLP, which if people don't know what that is, neuro-linguistic neuro programming. Um, basically how to tap into uh, the desires of the mind and get people to react a specific way by you following what they call mirroring and looking at someone and standing with your arms crossed if they have their arms crossed. But I'm not saying to do that, but we have to create an environment in our school, in our business, that brings people down a certain pathway. Does, does that make sense? No, it certainly does. And you you have to, for lack of a better term, indoctrinate them into your society that you've created there. Um, and not everybody is going to be a part of your society. So I don't mean it in a bad way when I say indoctrination, but they need to know how things run, uh, be uh, on board with it as well. And right. you know, I think a lot, of, a lot of us do that to a certain extent because we're just, we, when we open up our school, we're going to run things or do things similar or exactly the same way as our instructor did. And so therefore we're going to create the same type of culture. Um, right. But if we, if we came from a school that maybe didn't have the qualities that you should have in your school in order to be able to, expand it and have 200 or 300 or whatever students, um, you know, then the question is you got to ask yourself, you know, why is this thing that I'm doing not working? 
you know, one of right. the things that hold us holds us back is, you know, some of those anchors that we've talked about before, and they yeah. come from even our former or, uh, you know, our, our instructors that we have trained with before, and we just do things the way that they do it. And then the problem is the model that they had wasn't scalable. That's why they didn't have, uh, if this is the case for you, you know, that's why they didn't have 200 students. They only operated at 100 students all the time because they couldn't break that mold because, you know, part of it is the culture that they created. Right. And you know what? You, you know, you hit on a lot of things that I'm not in my head and, I, and I'm agreeing to you. And we've actually talked about a lot of these things in past and previous conversations and, and calls that we've um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I remember my anchor, and, and listen, I, I, we've talked about this. I came from uh, running a rather successful landscape construction company, and, um, you know, I ran my business one way, and I ran my dojo another way. My dojo was a replica of what I remember my teacher doing, I mean, down to me actually teaching in a Spanish accent. I mean, you could hear my voice. I don't really have an accent, and, um, but if I taught, I was teaching in a Spanish accent because that's how he spoke. So. I, I spoke almost identical to him, you know, and it's weird when I look back now on old videos, I actually make myself cringe thinking like, what the heck was wrong with me? Like, what was I doing? But um, down to how he ran his business, how he treated his clients, I, I kind of follow that model because I'm like, hey, he's a great martial artist. I'm going to, you know, um, copy what he does and be that person. So I did it. Um, but then I realized it was just not the right thing because once I started to learn, I realized that maybe that wasn't the way I wanted to run my business, my model. Yeah, and you know, you you would still be a uh, you know about a thirty to fifty person school if right. you were still running it the way that you originally ran it, and you would be frustrated and right. not knowing, you know, not knowing why am I uh, why do I hit the fifty mark or the fifty one mark, and then I drop back down again, then I hit that mark again, I drop back down again, and it could be the way that you are presenting your your product, your materials, your school, the culture uh, right. to you know, those people. And, you know, quite frankly, those, th that type of model only attracts a very, very narrow um, amount of individuals. And so therefore right. your market isn't as wide as it can be. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting too. Um, my, my schools, when I ran them, um, you know, I was opening up schools left and right because I, you know, I, I was there, I was the personality behind what was going on, you know, and I had six schools in Long Island, we had about 1,600 students entire um, between those schools. My main headquarters school had 500, maybe 550 at times. Um, and I maintained it myself, but I was there. And um, now, and the reason why I bring this up is important because now I decided to extricate and pull myself out of uh, the locations to build a brand that could stand on its own, similar to that of a you know, a restaurant that has multiple chains or a clothing store where it's not about the owner's personality, it's about the personality uh, of the school. So I always say, you know, most schools are the per they're personality-driven schools, meaning that everyone comes to be with sensei. Everyone comes to be with the master, right? But then once he's not there, people start to not like it as much. Um, so you have to train other instructors, similar to training managers in other stores, to be able to run and maintain your your brand. And I started to do that, but I do see that even, even though that they're trained by me, they do what I do, um, they're not capable of running the numbers that I used to run myself. 
and it's frustrating to me at times, um, but it's just the way it goes. I mean, I'm you and I, or me, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in that special type of person that is always working and wanting to drive and do better and marketing and blah, 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 and, and talking to the families. And, you know, some of my other instructors, they, they just, you know, they teach, they love what they do, and they reach who they reach. But at that level that they are, they're never going to have that 500-student school. Right, and I'm sure you see this, right, Drain? I mean, you see like the schools that are really, the really high end. You know, the people who are out there that have, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, four or five hundred, a thousand students. And most of the time, it's because of that person. That's a very dynamic, incredible martial art person behind that brand. Absolutely, and or they've made their brand so strong now, even though uh, they're not in there physically teaching every class. Uh, every aspect has has been. You know, I, uh, just uh, dripping with them. I, I think of Keith Hafner, and right. I know that he's not—he's uh, not out on the floor teaching every single day. Uh, he has his two sons uh, running the program, and you know, I'm, he, but he does. Uh, I don't know if he still does, but as of maybe five years ago or whatever, he was basically do, meeting with all the parents. So he would do the intro, uh, not the intros, but he would do the consultations. He would do the selling. Um, he got to set the tone. And, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, but everything else on the floor was already set by him. And so, you know, again, I don't know if he's still doing that, but, you know, he, he was last I knew at least like 500, 550 students still. Um, yeah. And I know back in the day he was way up to like 800 or 900 or whatever, something like that. And, and of course now the price is adjusted and, you know, upgrades are there. And so you don't have yeah. to have as many students to run the, um, you know, the bottom line numbers like you had to before. And so, right. but he, he's done a great job with his brand. You know, he, his idea is that he wanted to be his local town hero. Right, right. And, 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 and go ahead. No, 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 I'm saying, and think about it though. With him, he had maybe like 800. He made that decision to say, I'm going to pull away. And still with the quality that he built, he maintained that four or five hundred count, which is amazing. If everyone could do that, that'd be incredible. But it's almost like that personality, you know, that, that, you know, the master, the guy who really has that niche, without him, it may be almost never be replicated, but you could change the model and be just as successful. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just want to throw that in there. No, I, I, I just, I, I, I think he's an anomaly is kind of where I was going is to still have 500 students or, or plus, you know, 500 plus students right. and you not be out on the floor. Um, that's, that's, uh, he's an anomaly. That's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. And you know what, to maintain it, it's interesting because when you and I first said hello this morning before we hit record, um, I was telling you a little story about one of my students and, um, you know, it's really all about, you know, I had the conversation on Saturday afternoon. The person called me on my cell phone because I heard that they quit our demo team. We have this young uh, 10-year-old, super talented, good-looking, great, fun, you know, awesome kid with a really great family. I really like the parents, the mother and father. Um, the kid's been with me for a long time, and he was on our demo team. And um, he's quitting the demo team. And, you know, so having conversations that I'd probably rather be, you know, uh, chewing on glass, but I've had this conversation a million times, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to educate the parents, you know, and, and, you know, the conversation is, yeah, yeah, I hear you, Shion, I know what you're saying, but everything was, okay, yeah, I hear you, but, and I'm almost like wanting to say, you know, years ago, I would say, listen, the kid's not quitting the demo team, because if he does, he's not allowed to train in my dojo anymore, so these, you only have one or two options, 
either you listen to me or you move on somewhere else and I could care less and I used to do that all the time and people would reluctantly stay in the program, stay in the demo team or do what I asked because they had to and they hated me for it. However, a few months later or a year later, they thanked me for it. You know, so my thoughts with you when I said I'd like to call is get people to buy into, and I don't want to say it as like a purchase, but to believe in who we are. Subscribe. Subscribe, yes. Subscribe to what we do and and trust in us to the point where um, they will listen to us wholeheartedly so that we could guide them down a path of, um, you know, uh, you know, of success, right? And, and that's a hard thing, and that's what I think we should talk about a little bit, is how do you get that? How do you do And I know you do a lot of automation, too. And I started, by the way, I have to thank you. I just got two um, emails today from my Entreport program that you helped me get involved with and, and setting up sequences. And uh, out of my prospect sequence, I, it's like email number 10, uh, uh, two moms with these little four-year-olds and five-year-olds or whatever they were, they just emailed me this morning coincidentally saying, oh, I just got your email, and this, this email must have resonated with them, and uh, we'd like to get, get into the program. You know, we've just been so busy, so can you have what your program manager call us? So, so that automation and the continual um, marketing to or selling that brand um, has worked for me. So what, what do you believe should be school owners that are out there what is it that they should do to, you know, get people to really get who they are and, and sell and be that, what you said with Keith Hafner, the most famous person in their town? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the local town hero. Um, well, first off, let me say this. Uh, what you did was something that most people don't do is do 10 emails. And, of course, you have more in that sequence. But what I, right. what I want, first want to say is that, you know, you set those things up and they, they work for you. Uh, when you don't have to do them at all, uh, you have to do the original setup, but most people right. don't follow up on people that many times. So kudos to you, right? And right. you already knew that anyways, but I want everybody to understand that. I think the, the number one thing is in order to, um, and, and, and in marketing, in good marketing is education. So you educate the individual on your product or your service or whatever it is you're trying to get across to them. Uh, the problem is that, and we kind of need to take a couple of steps back. The problem is, is, is as a school owner, if you don't know what your purpose is for your school, who you want to be uh, for your school, uh, the, you know, and who you want your school to be in the community, you'll have a hard time communicating that to ev- everyone else. So you first have to know who you are in order to be able to communicate that. Second, as after you know who you are, then you have to come up with a, uh, a plan on how you are going to actually verbalize that to everyone. Now, when I say everyone, it's not, ju- you know, it's not just um, the suspects that are out right. there. It, it, it's the, the suspects, the prospects, the leads, your current students, uh, their parents, um, and even past students. And so right. you need to be consistent with that story uh, with everyone. You know, one of the ways, and, and, and let's take, uh, you know, Keith Hafner, for instance. You know, one of the ways that he did that to become a local town hero is he, he wrote a book called right. How, to Build Rock, uh, How to Build Rock Solid Kids. Phenomenal book. Um, he wanted to be the, the, uh, the, the person that was the wise man on the hill. Well, what does the wise man on the hill do nowadays? They write a book. And they get, they, you know, they give that, he gives that book out for free. 
You know, right. so that's the that's the first thing that I did was like, okay, I'm gonna find, I'm gonna follow that model. I'm gonna write a book. I want my in my community. I want people to know me for more than just kicking and punching. In fact, when they read my book, I want them to go, wow, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. So, right. you know, my kid's gonna learn that while they're also learning how to protect themselves. And so right. that was one of, that was one of my first orders of business was to do that. The other thing was to obviously educate throughout the whole sales process, meaning that once they bought into or subscribed to uh, my product with, you know, calling because of an ad or the, the uh, Facebook or the web, whatever it may be, the education process doesn't stop there. How we answer the phone, how we educate them on the phone, even to, even to the, the, the point, I can't tell you how many times, this is a great tip for everybody. We always ask, so you know where we're located? And I'll have people say, yeah, you're the school on this, you know, street. No, that's not us. We're actually, you know, here behind this place, off, you know, so uh, education is the key when it comes to your, your clients. And so the, the education is on the phone. When they come in, I have a, a welcome pack that they get. It's full of education that they read about the school. You know, uh, they even, I even mail them after their first class. The next day, um, they're going to get in the, not, they don't get it in the mail, but it goes out in the mail. So they'll have it within two or three days. Uh, just, it's an eight page education letter and it educates them on the, the studio even more. There's testimonials in there. There's social proof, obviously, with that. And so we are just dripping on them the education process with, with what they are buying into. Uh, or subscribing to in our program because you can't say that a program, you can't walk up to somebody and say, well, yeah, you know, how much is your karate program? And you say, well, it's $169 a month. Right. And and they're like, wow, that's a lot. What you have to do is you have to educate them prior to them getting the uh, price. And if done correctly, by the time that they have all the education, they hear the price, they're actually relieved because right. they're believing that it was a $200 program that they're going to get for $169. And so I believe that the education process is the biggest piece. And unfortunately, I think a lot of schools may be missing that opportunity. You know, and I know that you are a big proponent with regards to the fact that we teach karate. I mean, or we teach self-defense. Yes, right. there, are by, there are byproducts of that. We're not just a character development school, but right. uh, alongside that, uh, we are, we do teach character development. And the thing is, uh, what most schools can't do is they, they actually can't articulate how, <clears throat> excuse me, how they do it, how they teach the character development things, uh, where we do, we actually are able to communicate that to them, not only through our sales message, but also, um, you know, if they if if and when they need that information even deeper, well, I'll pull out my character development lesson book that we use, uh, and and I go through it with them, and I'll say, you know, this is what we this is what you're going to teach your child's going to learn this, and this is when they're going to learn this, and then at this stage they're going to learn this, and this is when they're you know, and so it's uh, it's done on purpose. It's not done by happenstance. You know, a lot of schools will say, oh yeah, we teach character development and confidence and stuff like that. But then when you ask them how they do it, they can't. They can't articulate it. Right, exactly. Well, you know and what, so you're right. so to get somebody to buy into your, your product or service, you first have to know what is, you know, what is it that you represent. And then you have to be able to communicate that 
to uh, them through education. Yeah, and, and you know what? Quite frankly, though, um, we don't do enough education of, and, and let's just pretend like we're in the in the kid marketplace, right? Where even though we're teaching the children, we have to um, deal with the parent, right? So um, because you know, when when little four year old Johnny or little eight year old or ten or twelve year old Johnny wants to quit, um, a parent which is, it's kind of sad, and I don't know if you see this in your area, but I, I think it's pretty universal across the world, um, and not just in the U.S., but across the world, that, you know, people have this, well, if he doesn't like it, I'm not going to force him mentality, or maybe this just isn't his thing, or, you know, I don't know, he's not having as much fun. Uh, you know, I, I say that with, like, a whiny tone, because it really does irk me to the point where, it's like I had a parent the other day say to me, well, you know, my uh, my child doesn't want to do uh, the grass grappling tournament. She's, she's nervous about it. And I said, okay, well, that's the very reason why you need to do it. And, you know, I, my daughter said, I don't want to do it, Dad. I don't want to spar in the open tournament. I don't want to do grappling. And I said, okay, Kiara. She's like, okay, yeah. And I said, yeah, okay. She's like, well, what do you mean? I, I don't have to do it. I said, no, of course, you're going to do it. I'm just saying, okay, I'm just acknowledging you um, that I heard you, <laughs> but I'm 100% ignoring you because you have no choice. And she's like, well, why don't I have a choice? I'm 16. I go, well, because you live with me, and I'm going to teach you until you stop me from doing that. And you can't do that at this point, you know. So there's tough luck. So she grappled. She, she, she sparred. And that's life, you know. And by the way, she's second in her division for the entire year as far as sparring goes. And if you asked her, she'd go, well, that's because, you know, it's the same people that I keep beating and the same people I keep losing to. I said, well, eventually you're going to beat that person if you train hard enough. But I find it to be sad that most parents, like this one mom I was speaking to this weekend, you know, don't let the person stop. He's a talented kid. He's going through this. I said to her, I said, what would you do if he wants to quit the dojo? Oh, well, that won't happen. I said, but that's what you probably would have thought about demo team. You know, well, he always loved the demo team. Well, he always loved the dojo, and maybe one day he's going to want to quit that. Are you just going to say, okay, then quit? Or, you know, he's only 10. He doesn't know. He doesn't even know what his emotions are. He doesn't know why he's feeling the way he feels. You know, so you can't fall into that. You can't allow that to happen. I don't know if you agree, agree. to that. Yeah, okay. I, well, I, yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I had a uh, maybe a little different situation, and um, I, I have a, uh, a kid that's going for his second degree, black belt, and the dynamics of the family is, uh, is tough because uh, the parents aren't together. And, you know, he goes from house to house and the father isn't necessarily um, nice all the time. Let's just put it that way. So anyways, a big blow up happens and the kid was like, you know what, I'm just not going to do karate anymore. I'm just, I'm done. And mom got a hold of me and she's like, I know that's not what he means. I know that he just needs some motivation, but, you know, this is the dynamic of the whole thing. And she told me. And so uh, he wouldn't even come in and meet with me. Uh, he was too embarrassed. Um, so she gave me his cell phone number, and I texted him. And, right. you know, then he started doing some texting back. And I finally got him in for a meeting a week later. Uh, and we met, and we set up some uh, some goals that we needed to get done, some things that needed to happen prior to the test in December. And he's like, all right, I'm on board. And And so, you know, that's what we do as school owners. You know, we go that extra mile for – um, the, the, the individuals and we are the mentors and we are the, the sages that they come to. And I, that's what I, I mean, I, I don't know everything. I mean, gosh, my spelling ability is horrible. 
So, right. um, you know, I don't, I'm not good in that area and I would never pretend that I am, but there are a few things that I know. Uh, you know, I, I had a meeting with a leadership um, meeting where this kid was going for leadership and it's an interview. And on the, one of the sheets that they have to be, has to be graded, you know, the parents say that doing it the first time was only like a B out of, you know, you have A plus A, B, C, or D. Um, and she said, and the parents said it's more like a B. Well, I have this thing that I do with them. And uh, basically, it does, it does use a little NLP to get the kid involved. So I apologize if you don't like that, but <laughs> it yeah. works. And, uh, um, but anyhow, I, I have this thing, uh, and I, I use Pavlov's theory uh, with regards to what I say. And it's a little bit long for, for this conversation to go through the whole thing. But basically, the whole crux of it is, is when his parents say, you know, uh, Johnny, uh, I need you to, you know, get your karate uniform on. It's time for karate. Remember, do it the first time. And as soon as he hears them say, remember, do it the first time, that's going to help remind him to remember, do it the first time. Well, I go through that a lot so that he hears my voice saying that, remember, do it the first time. And, and, and then I even get him saying, remember, do it the first time. And, and uh, you know, and then when he gets out of the uh, leadership meeting and I just talk with the parents and, you know, I tell him that uh, this, this is, you know, this is, this secret has worked for a countless people to get their kids to do it the first time. But the problem is it's not a habit yet. So what you have to do is when you tell them, you know, hey, uh, you know, Johnny, it's time for bed. I needed you to go brush your teeth. Remember, do it the first time. Then you walk away. And then like any good parent, you go back and you inspect what you expect. And you know it's not done. So right. all you do, rather than what you want to do, you know, rather than what you want to do by saying, you know, Johnny, I told you to get in there and brush your teeth. Instead, just walk up to him and say, you know, um, Johnny, did did you want to uh, brush your teeth the first time? Right. And then say nothing. Because I tell the parents, the next person that speaks loses. And either the kid is going to, the kid has two, two choices, basically. The kid can be deliberately disobedient. No, mom, I don't want to brush my teeth the first time. Then, of course, right. you know, influence decides to stop working and authority steps in. <laughs> or most likely what happens is the kid, go, oh, yeah, I do want to brush my teeth the first time. And they go and they brush it. And, of course, right. we tell them that they need to praise them and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, we become – and that's – that's. I, I mean, I think I've done a really good job of and, – and you probably have too because some of the stories that you've said and told me about and told even our listeners about with regards to the fact that, you know, parents come to us. Even before you and I had kids, parents were coming to us and getting advice on how to straighten out or raise their kid, right? I mean, how how – how crazy is that? Mm-hmm. And I know. So, I, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm go ahead. You go. I was, say we, we, I was just going to say, and so we've, but we created that. You know, we allowed that to be part of who we are and who our studio is going to be known for. And I'm, I'm proud of that. I mean, uh, uh, I, I, I even have uh, my Google voice number set aside for things like that because I don't give those kids my – uh, you know, or those parents, my real cell phone number, it's my Google voice number. You know? Right, right. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. I mean, um, you know, I go about it again, and it's it's really about whether you become the expert, you know, and and you have to become the expert in the, especially dealing with the, you know, if, you, if you're teaching adults, you have to have, and when I say have to have, I mean, I want you to actually be this. I don't want you to be a charlatan or a fake, but I want you to know your material and know and know how to lead people in life 
to the point where it's real, where, you know, you could do that and get results. Um, but, you know, a, an adult student has to be able to look at you and say, you know what, I'm an adult. I'm a smart, successful person. I've made it to 40, 30, whatever it is, and I'm, I got my crap together. Why am I going to listen to you, Joe Karate? Right. Right. And then and, you know, um, whether, you know, that be the case, you know, you, you if you're not getting that buy in. So like a, I have young teachers that are in their 20s, um, they're not going to get the same buy in from a 45 year old man who they look at that young guy and they say, oh, he's got outstanding technique. Um, he could show me the moves. But is he going to be able to tell me I should get off my butt and work harder? Is he going to be able to tell me that I should change how I eat or change how I speak or change how I act, you know, and probably the answer is no. So that's why, you know, adult-based schools, they have adult leaders that actually the adults look up to, um, and it's not just about technique, right? So now, even in a kid-based school, it's super important for, um, for parents to be able to say, well, how's this young teenager, young adult going to tell me how to be a better parent when he's not even a parent himself? Or how come, you know, and that's the problem is because everyone knows everything these days. They could just Google it, right? So they know everything. Yeah. And then you know, most of the time they make decisions based on what they've, they've read or heard or think. And it's not necessarily off of, you know, based off of an experienced person's answer. So, you know, that's why, again, when I was running the dojo, even though I didn't have kids, people listened to me because I was an expert and, and I presented myself as an expert. And lo and behold, nowadays that I have kids, I'm ten times better at being that expert than I was when I didn't have children. Well, um, and you're you're probably more, you're probably even more compassionate and understanding than you were back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I certainly am. In fact, I'm a lot, and I and I almost regret it because I'm a lot more like, oh, I understand. My daughter's doing ten activities. So is your kid. I, you know, back then I'd be like, who gives a crap what your kid's doing? Get him in the dojo and train. That's all I care about. I don't care about football and baseball. You know, and I'm I'm a little bit more compassionate. I still kind of feel that way. Um, but uh, but anyway, you know, again, it, it's back to being the, the expert. It's back to being the guy that people believe in and look up to and listen to, right? So again, the buy-in, the brand, all of that stuff. To kind of let's let's summarize, Dwayne, your thoughts and my thoughts. So for the school owners out there that are listening. Um, we have to present our, our school, our curriculum, our teaching methods, our mastership in life, life skills institutions, um, to the parent where they kind of are coming to us to get the answers. It's like they would come to a psychologist to find out why Johnny's acting out, or they would go to a doctor to find out why he has the sniffles. Well, they should come to us so that we could guide them to making a more compassionate, patient, loving individual that's capable of saying no and defending themselves and blah, 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 the whole nine. That's what the martial arts is all about. I, I'm so tired of these flashy fly-by-night schools that are given stripes and dots and stars and, you know, blah, blah, on everything they do, right? You know, when the kids aren't really learning lessons, you know, the trophy for just being there, you know, just, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Showing up. <laughs> yeah, consolation prize kind of thing. So what do you yeah. think, Dwayne? What is your what's your summary of it? I I agree. Um, I I just think maybe it boils down to for the school owners themselves knowing exactly who they want to be within their own community, and then once you decide what you want to be, decide how you're going to communicate that, what forums and and to what extent you're going to communicate that. Understand that the communication does not stop 
after the person signs the bottom line in order to be a student uh, with you, that the communication actually increases to a certain degree uh, with that. And I'll give you one case in point. I had uh, another, this was back in May, another uh, person that was testing for their second degree, and they have to run two miles. And right. uh, she, had done, she had done her first attempt and only did a mile and a half. Then a week later, she did about a mile and three quarters. So this last attempt, I said, you know what, I'm going to run with you. And so during the whole run, I was telling her stories about just, you know, when I was in this tournament or when my instructor did this, you know, and I learned this or, you know, I was just throwing out stuff from my past, trying to get her mind off of what was, you know, what was actually happening. So we get to the seventh lap and she says, "Uh, sir, she goes, how many more laps do we have to go? And I said, this is our last one. She's like, are you serious? I go, yeah. She goes, I thought we had like three more left. I mean, time had flew for her. Well, she was totally buying in. She was totally engaged on the stories that I was uh, saying. And so I I bring that up because I think once they become a student of yours, number one, the lessons don't stop. They increase. They may even get more personal on your life so that, you know, you can't – because especially if you're like me and, and Allie, we're not teaching every single class in our schools. And so our students who really are taught by other people need to know us better. And the only way they can do that is if we go out there and we spend the time out on the floor with every single student like we used to, or we do it through um, communication of stories and lessons uh, that correlate with our brand, with who we are for our community. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And and again, it you know, you know it's interesting. I think about the whole entire thing that you just mentioned about running and um quite often have you ever read the, I I read this a long time ago. I think it was called being it called in the zone and it was a book with runners for runners. Uh-uh. And um it, it quite it talked about how being in the zone um of the running you know, I'm, and I'm summarizing hundreds of pages into into one little statement about how how to be in the zone of running versus being in your head and thinking about the whys you can't run, right? So I, I remember we used to do a training, and, and again, this goes back to my old school mindset called shugyo. Shugyo is like the constant push and perfection, um, you know, till you drop kind of mentality, the shugyo. So we'd do this 24-hour training. We'd start like on a, um, a Saturday morning and end on a Saturday on a Sunday morning, um, you know, or whatever it was, 20, 20 hours or 18 hours of training. So I had some of my students that said, they were praying as they were doing this, and we would do sit-ups and push-ups and punches. It was nonstop. They'd get, they'd get a drink. They couldn't eat. They just worked out for 20-some-odd hours nonstop. Um, and I'd have students that tell me I was praying I would get injured so that I could go home. Like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to quit, but I wanted to break the bone, pull a muscle, you know, fall down. And I was praying for something to happen where I didn't have to quit, but I, I, you know, get injured. So um, that's what this book, Being in the Zone, was about. It was about running and never falling out of that zone where you're just running like you did with that girl. You took her out of her head and you gave her head something else to think about, and she wasn't thinking about the running. She was into the stories and running with you. And then when you told her it's over, she's like, really? But, But if she was running by herself, she would have started beating herself up probably around the second lap when her shins started to hurt a little or her legs started to get a little bit of pump in them, um, and then she would quit. 
I'm not a big runner, but I've run, you know, my teacher sometimes, Shion Felix Vasquez, would say, we're running today. And if you had work boots, that's what you ran in, dress shoes, sandals, and he'd take you to the track, and you'd run six, seven miles. He would just, and he would do that periodically, maybe once every year or two. Um, and you'd do it. You wouldn't stop. I mean, the next few days or week, you'd be so sore that you could barely walk, but there was no way you were going to quit because he just wouldn't allow it. The mindset wasn't going to allow it to happen. Right. And I think that's that's the key that we want to impart on our students and then the parents as well. Uh, that whole mindset of, we're, you know, there is no option to quit. Uh, right. There is no option to take a break. Uh, right. Because you don't take breaks in life. I mean, even if you go on vacation, uh, your life is still continuing. So you're not really right. taking a break. <laughs> so. Well, I, I once knew somebody who was always constantly in search of a break, you know, and um, – I, you know, I, I struggled with that mindset where it was always, oh, life is so stressful, I need a break. You know, I work so hard, I need a break. I need a nap. I need a weekend off. I need to get away. And, and you know, I know that the minute you get away and you come right back, you're, you're still in it. it. The break meant nothing other than taking the break physically. Um, it never repaired you or strengthened you for the – in fact, it weakened you to come back the following week. The more breaks, the more time you take off, the more time you quit, the more time you stop stuff. And this is what I told this parent. The easier it becomes and starts to develop a mindset that it, it becomes justifiable. Now I'm getting a little spiritual, too, and, you know, getting a little bit out there as far as philosophy, but I think, though, that it happens a lot with business owners. So anyway, in summary, I think that we both, you know, recapped everything that was important in the conversation, and I, in my opinion, love this conversation, Dwayne, so I think it's a good one for the people to hear, So and, and I appreciate what you shared. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I just want to clarify one thing is that when I said, um, you know, that, that taking a break really isn't taking a break, I, I don't want you to think that, uh, and because we've talked about this before on our calls, that, you know, we close our schools down and we take a break away from them. Uh, that's right. one thing. But I'm talking about, you know, taking a break for the wrong reasons. That's That's where I was going with that. So I just want to clarify that. And I think that the wording really, just to clarify, yeah, I'm going to clarify what you're clarifying. Um, taking a break, you know, taking downtime is important. But taking a break is, is, you know, we say taking a break, we mean take a day off, you know, recharge, have fun, that kind of thing. But I think when people, like a parent, says, well, we're going to take a break. I mean, you tell me, Dwayne, how many students that have taken a break ever came back? I mean, very, very seldom do they ever. So so I always say to parents, oh, you said break? I, I hear quit, right? And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, break to me equals quit. So why don't you just say you're quitting? Because I doubt very much you're coming back. I try to shock them into the realization. And then they say, no, 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 we'll be back. And they never do. But, you know, I wish they would say, oh, you know, he was right. And, and I wish they would have thought, like, hey, maybe I shouldn't give the kid a break. Because, yeah, it's a struggle. He's having a hard time. But you know what? He'll get over it. And when he gets over it, he'll be stronger. He'll be better. And he will have, he'll be less likely to do it again. And he will have pushed through, which, in essence, is the lesson in itself, Right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I get annoyed when people are just so easy to just walk away. And But that our, our world, not just country, but our world is filled with people taking breaks. Well, I like what Zig Ziglar used to say. He used to say that life is tough. But when you're tough on yourself, life is infinitely easier on you. Right. Wow, that's awesome. That's a great one. Put that in our uh, uh, on the blog, you know, on our where you post it. Put that quote in yep. there somewhere. That's great. Just, well, anyway, I think that. that 
call. So everybody, I, I hope you enjoyed today's call. Please share this with other people. One thing we haven't man, um, uh, mentioned is we, we released some really cool, totally free, I'm holding up my quote fingers with capital letters, free, um, information for you guys to check out. One is our business manifesto. Another one, we had the 20 mistakes video. And if you get involved with any of those, there's a lot of other free stuff that goes along with it. So, um, Dwayne, maybe you could put the link up on this call for that. And, uh, you know, guys and uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, school owners, you know, managers, program managers, head instructors, take the time to watch and listen and see all of this stuff. Absolutely. And uh, you can subscribe. Uh, to our podcast, and you can go, just go to schoolownertalk.com, and there's a link there for iTunes to be able to do that. And then also, if you have an Android device, you can subscribe uh, via Android device there as well. So, Allie, until next week, thank you, sir. Thanks, Dwayne. You too, everybody. Have a great day.